We grow up with a certain idea of how life will go with our marriage, our house, our cars, our kids, um, but it rarely ends up the way that we envision our lives. We met in 2009 and dated for about a year and a half and then got married September 5th of 2011 in New Harmony. I've been at Crossroads since I was in sixth grade. Drew's been at Crossroads since 2006. I work in the Mother's Morning Out program uh, just because of my love for children. Uh, when I was younger, I loved to play dolls and play house, and I just envisioned that would be my life, being a wife and a mom. We really enjoyed our married life together for a while, and we knew we wanted to expand our family. Um, I had a brother and a sister, and I knew that I always wanted to have a couple kids of my own. When I was in high school, I was diagnosed with cluster headaches and uh, I was put on a lot of strong medicines to prevent um, me from missing school and work and just life function. And um, I've had those headaches since I was 15 years old. So when we decided we wanted to expand our family, we saw a doctor to get some advice and we're told we shouldn't even attempt it because of the complications that could arise during childbirth process. When I was told I couldn't have my own child, I was immediately heartbroken. You grow up, that's a woman's role, and I wasn't going to be able to fulfill it. Um, also, I'm a planner, and things weren't lining up the way that I saw it. Um, so I thought, you know, what now? From the moment we found out about our infertility, I was filled with frustration, anxiety, even worry. But I knew I couldn't stay there. I had to lay all that down and just trust in God. So in 2014, we decided we'd start looking into the idea of adoption. We got connected with an agency. They told us once our application was done and our home study was done, it could take um, anywhere from four months to a year and a half um, to have a placement. And in April of 2016, um, our home study was done. And from there, we waited and prayed. We wanted to be prepared, so we went out and got all the things the baby was going to need. And it was kind of tough putting together a crib in an empty room. So we've got some Bible verses that we've been praying about and put them on the wall above the crib. And that way, anytime we went in, we'd see God's promise. Psalm 139, 14. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. It was nearly four months to the day that we got a call about a little boy who needed to be adopted. Within two weeks, we had our perfect gift, Levi, who was born and given to us. He wasn't made by us, but he is ours. Every fiber of my being says that. God stitched him together for us. People say he looks so much like me. I just say, thanks, and keep on going. Do we have it all together? No. Are we still blessed by God? Yes. He's blessed us in so many ways, it's hard to say. But he's blessed us because we put our trust in him. And if I could tell that to anybody, that's what I'd say is, it doesn't matter whether it's an adoption or whatever your circumstance is, he just wants us to trust him. Come on, can we give a huge round of applause for Drew and Danielle Rubb? 
Such an incredible story of waiting on God's promises. Once again, we want to thank you uh, so much for being here with us this afternoon at Crossroads, whether you're here at our Newburgh campus or watching with us online. Uh, my name is Ross. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And uh, once again, on behalf of our staff and all of our volunteers who work so hard to make a week like this happen at our church, we want to wish you and your fa family a very Merry Christmas. And thank you for being here with us today. Um, I'm really excited to continue really um really we're wrapping up a series that we've been in here at Crossroads. It's a collection of talks that we've just titled, A Son is Given. And, uh, and in this series, in these talks, we've actually been talking about the family of Jesus, which I think is so fitting just because when I think about Christmas, um, I think about family. And uh, for me specifically in my family, I think about all of our old Christmas family traditions. Just by a show of hands, how many of you every single year, you and your family have traditions that you do every single year? Um, for me and my family, I, I remember probably the one that I remember the most is our family tradition of the night of Christmas Eve, uh, whatever we're doing after, sometime after dinner, eventually the whole family, we gather in my grandparents' living room and uh, my grandfather, he sits us down and he reads to us the story of Christmas. We've already heard um, some versions of the story of Christmas today in our service, but I thought it um, very fitting to kind of continue the tradition today as a church family. And we're going to read a portion of the story of Christmas found in Matthew chapter one, starting in verse 18 is where we're going to go. And this is what the Bible says. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was, a, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you were to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. If I had to give our, our very short talk um, a title today, it would simply be this, that hope has a name. Hope has a name. And truthfully, this is what Christmas is all about, isn't it? That hope is, is not really a principle. Hope is not a philosophy, but hope is a person. And his name is Jesus. What we hear from the Christmas story here is that Mary and Joseph, they are given this awesome promise from God. Yet with this promise comes many problems along the way. What we just read was an angel appears to Joseph and says, listen, the girl you're with, she's about to have a baby and sorry, you're not the father. Imagine being Mary and Joseph and trying to explain this to family and friends, the embarrassment that would have gone along with this news. Not only that, the Bible says that they have to travel from Nazareth, their hometown to Bethlehem. This would have been about an 80 mile journey. And many Bible scholars actually believe this would have taken them about four days to travel. 
So here you have the story of Christmas. This young teenage girl who's pregnant with a man who's not the baby's father, who's thinking about divorcing her, (laughs) taking this four-day trip on a donkey to a place that when they get there, they're not welcome. There's no room for them. It seems as though, even though they have a promise, the Christmas story is riddled with problem after problem after problem. But really, this is how hope works in our life, isn't it? That God gives us a promise, we have a hope, we have a dream, we have maybe even a destination in life. But it requires faith, it requires hope to walk through it. You know, another Christmas tradition that my family does, like many of you do, I'm sure, is the the tradition of giving gifts at Christmas. And when we do this, what we're doing is we're actually mimicking God the Father. Because after all, he's the one who gave us the greatest gift of all the gift that is Jesus. And Jesus was so much more than just a gift though. He was the fulfillment of a promise that people in his day had been waiting on for over 400 years. The same promise that was fulfilled for them is the same promise that is given to us today. Which brings me to just my first thought today. And so if you're writing notes or anything like that, you can write this down. Number one, because of Jesus, we have a promise. We have a promise. When I think about this journey that Mary and Joseph had to take, this 80-mile journey, this four-day journey, I have to believe at some point one of them had to think, what are we doing? Like, we, we think that really you're, you're pregnant just by magic somehow, right? And then, like, an angel is the one who told us this in a dream. We dreamed this, and we're just walking, We're just believing. We're just hoping. But the truth is they, even if they did think that, they they kept walking. They kept moving. They kept moving forward. I believe maybe it's because Mary and Joseph realized that they knew they had a purpose. And this purpose was bigger than what they could see. That they had been given a gift. And now it was their job to give this gift to the world. I can remember growing up in North Carolina where I'm originally from, um, my home church was going through a renovation process. We were actually changing the front entrance of our church and uh, we waited for months and months. We had seen pictures, you know, but hadn't seen the finished product. And I'll never forget the Sunday morning that they said it was all gonna be done. As a kid, I was so excited to see what my church was going to look like. And I get to the front door and before I can even push the door open, I remember I took a step and the doors to my amazement slid open for me to walk through. I had never seen anything like this before. You know, I walk into the lobby, my dad starts talking to a friend, but I was amazed. I went right back to the door, right? I immediately, I I stepped forward and the doors would open. I'd step back and they'd close. I'd step forward again, they'd open. I'd step back and they'd close. Anybody who was coming to our church for the first time that day, I promise you did not come back because of the creepy kid at the front door who's like, (laughs) like that. I remember I was so amazed by it. My dad finally told me to stop creeping out all of the first time guests who were coming through the door and coming to the service with him. I said, but dad, the, the, the doors, I mean, it's, it's, it's like, it's magic. My dad said, son, it, it's not, it's not magic. The doors are motion activated. 
He said, son, if you step forward, the doors are sure to open. I came here today to remind somebody that your God is motion activated. That if you step forward, he will open up doors in your life. I truly believe this, that no other man can close. For some of us today, it just simply looks like us taking a step forward to finding our purpose. It's the idea that we weren't just saved from something, but in fact, we were saved for something. That you and I are actually on this earth for a reason, for a purpose. And it is bigger than us. Which brings me to really my second thought today. Because of Jesus, not only do we have a promise, but we have a purpose. We have a purpose. What does it look like for you today to step into your purpose? For some of you, maybe it looks like being bold and sharing your faith with a friend or a coworker. For some of you, maybe it looks like in 2019 that you start attending church regularly. And I just got to tell you, if you have, uh, if you don't have a church that you call your home, we would love to be your church family. I can vouch for this place. This is an awesome church with awesome people. And this is a place where you will feel loved. You will be welcomed and you can call this place home. For some of you today, maybe you've been attending church for a while, but you've yet to step in and actually find what your purpose is. You've yet to step in and actually start getting involved, getting plugged in and serving in the church. One thing you'll find out about our church is what makes our church so awesome and so great is not really our staff and our pastors. Even though they are amazing, what really is the heart and soul of our church are the people of our church. The people who week in and week out give of their time, of their effort to make sure that other people have hope as well. It's people like Drew and Danielle Rubb who say, you know what, I'm gonna share my story even though it may be uncomfortable because I realize I have a purpose. I have a purpose. Maybe for you today, it's something as simple as opening up your Bible for the first time in a long time. Or maybe taking a step today, finding your purpose is something as difficult as confessing something or letting go of something that you've been hanging on for a long, long time. Whatever it is today, I promise you this, if you step forward, make a bold move today into finding your purpose God will open up doors in your life that you never thought were possible. But I would encourage you not just to just take my word for it, but actually you would take the word of somebody who's actually started doing this as of late. One of our amazing youth volunteers, his name is Logan Miller. He actually tweeted about this, about what it really looks like to step into your purpose. And I'm gonna read it out loud to you just in case it's a little small on the screens. It says this, it wasn't until I really started investing into ministry at my church and serving that my relationships in the church started to grow. For years, I felt like I called my church home, but felt like I didn't know anyone. Now that I serve in the youth ministry, I have family. This is what God does in your life. If you're searching for something today, he'll open the door for you to walk in and find 
purpose. Find family. What would it take for you today to take that step into finding your purpose? Here to tell you today, because of Jesus, number one, you have a purpose. Number two, or number one, I'm sorry, you have a promise. Number two, you have a purpose. And number three, this is my favorite one. Because of Jesus, we have power over our past. We have power over our past. You know, another family tradition that we did every single Christmas when I was growing up is my mom would make us put on our nicest Christmas clothes and we'd go and get Christmas family photos taken together. And I sent out an email uh, a couple weeks ago and asked some of our staff and pastors if they would please share some of their old Christmas family photos so that I could embarrass them in front of all of you today. And so uh, first up, we actually have uh, one of our worship pastors, Jeremy Locke, right there in a chair that is way too big for him. Uh, next up, we have our small groups pastor, Bill Altman, on a bike that is way too small for him. Uh, for those of you at our West Campus, we have Kelly Ward, everybody who's very excited about her Christmas photo. And, um, and then last but not least, you have yours truly right here. It really looks like they put a bowl on top of my head and just cut around the edges. Um, there with my brother and my sister. And um, what is really funny about that picture other than my terrible haircut? Some of you are like, Ross, you still have a terrible haircut. Okay, you know what? No, but I, I'll never forget that Christmas because um, that Christmas started out being one of the best ones of all time. I remember I had gotten one of the best gifts I had ever received. It was this, it was this, this dump truck that was life-size. I could actually like sit on it and ride it around the house. I thought it was the coolest gift ever. And for whatever reason, I don't know what happened, but I ended up leaving the room. And when I came back, my brother, who you could tell is much older than me, my brother's eight years older than me, he was sitting on my truck when I came back in the room. Immediately, I thought my brother was, you know, he's way too big for this. I thought he was gonna break it. So immediately I go over to him. I start screaming, yelling at him. I'm crying, I'm like punching him, you know. This is no happy, merry Christmas at all. Christmas is over if you mess with my truck, okay? I was so furious with him until my mom came in and she, she broke up our fight. And she told me, I'll never forget this, she told me to go to my room and don't come back until I fixed my face. You know, for the longest time, and I, I would probably guess that some of you thought the same thing, for the longest time, I thought that's what I needed to do to come to Jesus. That I needed to go somewhere else and get my act together. That I needed to get my life in order. All the things that I'd done wrong in my past, I needed to fix them and then I could be a real Christian or else I was just a hypocrite. I, I needed to go and I needed to fix myself before I could belong at church, before I could fit in. Truth is though, that never works because you can't fix yourself. It made it very difficult for me growing up to always think I needed to fix my face before I could come to him. What's interesting though about what we read today is in Matthew chapter one, starting in verse 18 is where we, that's where we began. 
The reason why, can I just be honest with you? The reason why we started in verse 18 is because Matthew chapter one, verses one through 17, is kind of boring. Like it, it's just a long list of people's names. I remember growing up, it's like, okay, time to read the Christmas story. Let's skip the first 17 verses. That part's boring, just a bunch of people's names. Why though are those names there? Now I look back on it and I realize Matthew chapter one verses one through 17 is probably some of the most important scripture in all the Bible. Even though we're not even gonna put it up on the screens, I'm, I'm telling you, it's just a bunch of names. Who are these people? What are those names? It's Jesus's family. It's his ancestors. It's where he comes from. And if you do your research, you'll find out that these people, they were like, they were messed up. Like they were crooks, they were thieves, they lied, they were cheaters. I mean, they did some bad stuff. We've talked about a few of them in these collection of talks in this month of December. I wonder why God chose this family. Like, cause God, I mean, obviously he could have chosen any family to have Jesus born into and he chose this one, this messed up family. It's almost as if he was trying to prove a point. Like God was reaching out a hand to the hurting and the broken and the lost to say, hey, come, come here, come here. We're taking, a, we're taking a, a family photo and I want you in it. I think what he was doing was trying to show us that if there's hope for people like that, there's hope for you and I. It's like God was taking us and saying, I choose you. I want you to be a part of my family. And by the way, if you call yourself a Christian and you're here today, that's our job now, to reach out to the hurting, to the broken, to the lost, and let them know they can be a part of this family. Probably one of the most famous scriptures in all the Bible, John chapter three, verse 16 says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, how far does that extend? Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. What is it that gives us this eternal life? What is it that gives us power over our past? It's that a son was given, not just to us, but for us. Because the same baby that would lay down in a manger as a gift given to us would grow to be a man who would lay down in a tomb and die for us. So that whoever can be loved, whoever can be accepted, whoever can be forgiven, whoever could have hope. Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for sending Jesus, not just to us, but for us that what started in a manger was finished on a cross. And Lord, I thank you 
you and I have now a relationship, that you have a relationship with all of us because a way was made. And Lord, you gave us a promise that God is with us. You gave us a purpose that we can step into and you gave us power over our past. Lord, we love you, we thank you for Christmas. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.